We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Blue Wire. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. No Jack Manuel. We got special guest, Matt Brooks of Nets Daily. Matt, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. I was uh, I was delighted to see you pop up into my DMs and, and uh, ask me to do this. We've been sort of sitting on this idea of, of working together, and uh, here we are. So I'm, I'm excited to be on and talk a little bit of Nets. It's a good night for it. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you might be a good luck charm. That's had a rare blowout of the season over the Suns tonight, 119-97 at home at Barclays Center. Matt was there. But before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Also, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. But, Matt, I think we should start with Karis LeVert. Big-time performance, career night for him. Yeah, I so first off, didn't know his career high was 29. Uh, which was cool to see. I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like it like should be more than that in a lot of it ways. It feels like it should be 35. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, he really never had 33 at some random, you know, uh, I guess, I guess like November game from last year, but <laughs> there you go. I, I learned that it's 29. Um, it was the classic resurgent, um, performance that feels like it's like right after a really rough week on Twitter or or Reddit or whatever have you. Um, you know, it, it was one of those classic, like, go against the grain. Nobody really expects this from him. Everybody's like, you know, sort of treating him like he's almost like this 
eighth man that really doesn't have any trade value. And he comes out there and it, you know, there were moments like that. The thing with him this, this whole um, last month is that at least watching it game after game, I just, it felt like that his first step hasn't been there. Yep. And tonight he was really getting by guys. Now keep in mind, like he wasn't defended by the most um, stout defenders. Uh, and a lot of the times he would be matched up like an Elia Kobo or somebody like that on the Suns where he had like a clear, clear height advantage. And, and just in that alone, he was able to abuse that matchup. But yeah, it, it kind of looked a little bit like the Karis of old. The herky-jerkiness was working to his favor, and it's exciting. I mean, he's, you know, say what you want about him. He is one of the most exciting players on that Nets roster. Yeah, I'm a big Karis guy. I, it, was, it was tough to watch him play over these last couple games with all the struggles because he was getting to yep. some of the spots and just missing the layups. But I agree about the first step because tonight we saw him break down defenders without getting that pick or running the pick and roll. It was kind of able to work in some isolation situations. And then just finishing the shot, I think the confidence was there. I think he was a little bit more aggressive attacking the rim. But also you love to see the seven assists. You know, we've seen him have yes. a couple good scoring games, but not the passing. The combination is what you love. Yeah, and uh, I, I felt like there were little inklings of him, you know, and I, I know this sounds like this is the most classic revisionist history type <laughs> of thing, but, uh, and I, I admittedly, I didn't see um, the Wizards nor the Bulls game live, so I wasn't seeing a lot of this real time, um, but I uh, I remember in the Sixers game, I, I want to say, what was that, almost a week and a half ago, he had this unbelievable uh, late first quarter stretch where yep. it was like, oh, yeah, like, I kind of remember what it looks like when when uh, Karras looks comfortable and he's going downhill and things are working to his favor. Um, and it was against a really good defensive team. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just the, – the difference for him, I felt like tonight, was that those little push shots that he does yep. where he's going off one leg and fading to his left, um, those are falling. And, uh, I mean, those are hard shots to make. I don't know if that's something you can depend on night after night, but if he's at least making a decent percentage of those, he'll keep guys on their toes and that'll turn into more, you know, wide open layups or um, even the mid range shots. If he does elect to start taking those. So yeah, um, really good Karis performance. I, I was very pleased with that. I think many people were. Yeah, I agree with the push shot thing, too, is because I think if he's not making that shot, they can kind of sit on his layup package, and we saw yes. him get blocked over the last couple of games. When he's yes. a three-level scorer, that's when he's at his best, and we know the skill set he has. What did you right. think of his defense tonight on Devin Booker? I thought he had some good possessions on him. Yeah, I think he had some good possessions. I thought TLC was fantastic, and I, I don't always I, – I thought he was fantastic. I mean, you know, I, I want to say this was the end of that 10-day contract. I believe so. Is, some major uh, mojo energy right there. The end of a contract is really when you're going to get like top-notch effort from, especially somebody like TLC who's kind of uh, been on a couple of different teams. I thought he was good. I, I you know, I, ha I, I haven't been the biggest TLC guy throughout the entire run that he's been on the Nets, but like tonight, I was looking at him like, all right, like I, I see what you're doing here. You're, you're, you know, you're getting into the jersey. You know, you're full court pressing uh, Devin Booker and. And forcing him into un really uncharacteristic plays that I, you know, he's somebody that I, I expect Devin Booker to go off against the Nets um, with the way that they predicate their defense toward allowing mid-range shots. But they took those away. I, I thought that he was really fantastic. I thought Karras was good defensively. I definitely feel like I need to go back and look a little bit at some of those possessions because um, as the game continued on, I, I felt like he got more of those. And I just, I feel like I need to rewatch that but yeah I thought it, I thought his energy was good and it makes sense he's scoring the ball well that always happens it's the NBA man like yeah. <laughs> the guy's scoring he's gonna play better defense 
And for Karras, it's like when he's scoring, he's just so much more engaged in the game. And I thought like right. the Nets as a team did a good job of disrupting Devin Booker early and just making his life difficult. So when it came to the third and fourth quarter, shots he usually knocks down, they just weren't falling. So credit to the Nets team. TLC, I thought he was feisty. Three of four from three. I think like if TLC is going to have a role in this team moving forward, if he can knock down a three-point shot and just play with that hustle and energy, like you right. mentioned, picking up Devin Booker full court, any type of energy, the Nets lack that. So if you can provide that and knock down a three ball, you could probably get a spot on this team. Yeah, no, I I, I think that, you know, I mean, especially as they're kind of, uh, you know, eventually getting, eventually getting everybody healthy. Um, I, I think point. that there is a role. <laughs> yeah, whenever the hell that happens. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's a role for a TLC. But, you know, you're not going to get this every night from him, obviously. Yeah. Talking about another guard in the team, I thought uh, Joe Harris got involved early, and we saw a little bit of mid-range Joe tonight. I thought he hit every mid-range shot he took. Yeah, I'm, I can't hold the uh, – I know that this is where Jack would be, <laughs> you know, just you know, absolutely uh, positively out of his mind about the Joe Harris thing. I mean, this is two games now that we're seeing this from Joe Harris. Um, you know, I, I, there were – I personally had questions about, like, is this guy happy in the offense? Is this working with him? But Joe Harris has gone through slumps before. I mean, yeah. I remember him specifically going through a slump actually around the same time last year. I don't think it got to like the point of where he's shooting in the low 30s, but he was certainly going through kind of a, a swing of things where, um, you know, it, it's he's going to hit 50% some months and then he's going to hit, you know, low 40s, which is still, by the way, incredible from a <laughs> three-point shooter, yeah. but... No, I, I felt like he got going. I've liked him from the mid-range for a while now. Um, I've really been in favor, um, and I don't know if I've done a column about this, but I, I should, uh, is about I, I just wish he would trade in a couple of, like, the the line drives. He loves up-and-unders like no one else I've ever seen, and I just wish he would trade in a couple of those from the mid-range because when he takes those, like, 13-foot shots off the dribble, I just feel like they never miss. And they're ever. wide open. Yeah, yeah, because you don't expect it. You you know, I think there's a scouting report out on him. Like, you run him off the three-point line, he's going to go into a sea of defenders and try to, like, force something up. But he keeps you on your toes. You know, as you just said about Karras, like, it being a three-dimensional scorer, I think it's a real thing. Yeah, I like it for Joe, too. And, like, you see guys like J.J. Redick or Kyle Korver, as their careers continue, they need to have that mid-range shot. Those guys kind of already had it. But Joe needs to add it because I think teams have done a really good job running him off the three-point line. And we know he's not the best athlete. So if you have a quicker defender, they're going to probably be able to shut him out. Right. Yeah. JJ Reddick's got that like sweet baseline fader where he takes it from the short corner. He, you know, he's always like leaning towards out of bounds. I don't know if you can picture the shot. I, I, yeah, I, no, I know exactly what I'm, you're talking I'm about. I'm a huge JJ Reddick guy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He, he actually smoked Joe Harris about 19 times last year in the playoffs doing it. So <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, that's that's a shot that I'd like to see. It doesn't have to be um, to the extent that JJ Reddick's leaning, but if he can have a shot like that, that's reliable. Um, I'd love to see it. We're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our brand new sponsor, Bet Online. Missed your chance to bet on the Chiefs and Niners? Fear not. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big, no matter the time of the year. With March Madness, the Masters, Major League Opening Day right around the corner, BetOnline has you covered for your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. 
head over to betonline.ag, use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed it up. It's super easy. You're already making wagers. It's a fantastic way to support the podcast. Again, promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your bets home with BetOnline, your online sports books experts. Now, talking about the other shooter on the team, you know, who's very inconsistent, but he had a stretch tonight where he really picked up in third quarter. Torian Prince, what do you think of his game? I'm Mr. Pro Torian Prince right now. Uh, I have said uh, maybe not the nicest things about him all season long. I think many people have kind of uh, harped on his inconsistencies as a player. Uh, he looks comfortable. I, I've really liked his the early makings of the chemistry that he's got with Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Um, and I think that Kyrie's done a really, really good job at involving him in the offense. Um, and because of that, I think it started to carry over into some of these games. It, he just looks a lot more confident. Um, and I, Torin Prince is really funny to watch in person because the guy loves nothing more than a contested three, but <laughs> he makes them. It's like the yeah. most insulting thing ever. Like he really effectively took Phoenix out of um, a couple runs just by hitting threes in guys' faces off the dribble, and you're just like, all right, Turin Prince, do your thing. <laughs> that third quarter stretch, I think he hit, like, back-to-back threes, had, like, a steal and a, yeah. a, a layup or whatever it was. Yep. And I felt like sometimes he feels, like, disrespected, even though he's not that type of player, like, where he should feel disrespected. They put Ricky Rubio on him, and I felt yes. like at that point he was like, all right, I'm going to hit threes over this guy. He's, you know, six foot five or whatever he is. And I'm right. six foot seven. Like, I got this. And he splashed. Like, you can always kind of watch Torian Prince when he shoots his three, and you kind of know if it's going to go in. Even without looking at the shot, you can kind of just see his release. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, just follow him on Twitter for two days. Like, his, <laughs> he, he's definitely like a, uh, like, come from behind type of no one believes in me guy. Yep. Which is like, that's his energy. That's dope. Like, you need guys like that. <laughs> Yeah, he gives the Nets a little toughness. We haven't seen a lot recently, but earlier in the sure. year he was getting texts. Well, he got a text tonight, actually. So yeah, he did. But he's—I mean—the thing I like about him is that he's been really active in passing lanes, mm-hmm. um, just disrupting normal actions. That I think that, especially you saw that tonight—that steal that you mentioned, like that was just a normal action that I don't think anybody, you know, I mean, I think that the the Suns were pack, practically an autopilot, you know, running their set and. He came in there and dislodged it, and that's that's going to make a big difference. That'll stop an opposing run right then and there. That's the best way to do it. So Yeah, yeah. that's a play that the great. Nets got a lot of uh, from Rodion's last year. They could get a little bit more of that from Prince and Laverne to be great. What did you think of the take. night from uh, Jared Allen? Uh, Jared Allen was I, – I thought that Jared was pretty quiet. Um, I So it's weird. I really don't like watching DeAndre Ayton, and I was definitely box score watching – uh, by the end of the, the, by the, like in the fourth quarter. And I saw that he had 25 and 17. I'm like, God, I just don't remember one point of that. And I, you know, I, I think that that kind of, this is the matchup that Jared Allen doesn't really seem to always win. Um, you know, it's, it's, he, Aiden really reminds me a lot of Drummond. And, uh, I think that if, if it seems like this year with Jared Allen, it's like, if he has a, a past or something like that with the player that he's going against, he plays really hard, but you know there are other games where I'm just like, man, I just feel like I wish you'd taken this one a little more personally. Like this is another young center, um, somebody that I feel like effectively he could really neutralize the guy. I mean, you know, DeAndre Ayton is somebody that I just loves jump shots. Like that's yeah. the type of guy that it's like, man, I feel like you should win this matchup. This is actually might be one of your biggest strengths is just forcing this guy into you know 
the uh, the long <laughs> like set fifteen footer <laughs> yeah. on the baseline. But no, not tonight. I Aiden was good. Um, yeah, I think uh, Jared does this thing where he almost like doesn't respect his own defense where like he could press him a little bit more. And I think he was letting yes. Deandre Aiden get comfortable early on. And he wasn't like in the post. He wasn't completely in the low post. He was just like, has this little like jump shot slash hook shot. And yep. Jared Allen wasn't pressing him on that. And he was just kind of laying it in. Yep. And he just did, he wasn't active on the boards. Like it, that's the biggest thing that I think I noticed with Jared Allen. Like I, that's honestly like, it's such a stupid, like, you know, <laughs> like basic way to look at Jared Allen. But if he gets boards, I feel good about him. And if he doesn't get boards, I'm like, well, that was not the best Jared Allen game. But I, I do think it comes down to that. Like, you know what you're getting from him defensively. Um, positionally speaking, he's going to be really excellent. Um, he'll roll hard. And, you know, if he's getting rebounds, that's kind of the X factor for him. So, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's gotten to a point where Jared Allen, like, I don't think this was a bad game. It wasn't a great game. He still had a positive impact because of that defense he provides. And he does a pretty good job drawing fouls. I think it's a little underrated factor of his game where sure. like, the Suns got caught grabbing him three or four times tonight. Yes, yes, I totally agree. That's a, that's a You've actually put this whole Jared Allen section way more concise than I have. <laughs> uh, you, you've, you've carried this one for me. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, Jared Allen is not the most, like, glorious player to watch in a lot of ways, but yeah. I do actually, weirdly enough, being one of the youngest guys on the roster, to me, he's one of their most consistent forces just because he has such a defined one skill in his rim protection. Um, and a, more defined even than, you know, some of the other guys passing or some of the other guys scoring. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I've been a big Jared Allen guy for a while, and I've uh, deservedly got a lot of crap for how much I've been a Jared Allen guy, but... You know, you know what you're getting from him, and I think that that's a big benefit for the team, especially at the age he's at. Like he's yeah. so young, and there's so much of a ceiling for him. Sure. And I think the blocking is a great thing. The rim protection, like guys are scared. The only guy who really had success driving on him at the rim tonight was Kelly Oubre, and he kind of flopped into him a couple times. But yeah. we'll save that for another day. Moving on to Spencer Dinwiddie, 14 points, 4-12 from the field. Not necessarily his best game, but it was enough for the Nets because Karis Levert carried the load. Yeah, I felt like he was kind of in like. Uh, orchestrator mode you know like yeah. he it, it wasn't one of those Dinwiddie games where it felt like he was kind of like vying for reins of the offense yep. um I think he you know Dinwiddie Dinwiddie is a really really good teammate I and I think that that is the biggest thing I've learned this year about Spencer Dinwiddie um is that he's somebody that's willing to shoulder the load of the offense but tonight I really felt like he was out there um you know just seeing it first person cheering for Karis LeVert um, knowing that that guy is going to be a really important part of their future, whether he's somebody that's on the team or he's whatever, like, you know, a, a piece that turns into something. He knows that Karis LeVert playing well is really important. I think that those guys have a, I mean, they're, you know, they've been teammates for a couple of years now. So um, I, I felt like at least seeing it first person, I, I felt like there was a lot of camaraderie and, you know, he's been really moving the ball well the last couple of games. Um, I, I felt like it was kind of more of the same from him, you know, bailing them out with that downhill bucket, getting the line, uh, you know, for six free throws. I thought that was huge for them. Um, and his free throws, as always, just like they come in the most clutch moments <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> where it's like end of the shot clock and they, they don't really have a set or anything like that. And he's just able to somehow get three defenders to bite on him. Um, it was, I thought it was a good performance. It was, you know, he, and by the way, plus 24, not, you know, I know single game plus minus, I make fun of it all the time, but this is one of these times where the number is so glowingly positive that I think it's worth mentioning. 
I think he gets a lot of credit for Joe Harris having a good game. You know, he got him involved Great early. Point. And like you mentioned, you know, he let Harris do his things. And I think in the past there's been times where, you know, they have the chemistry. They've been on the team maybe the two longest guys. And they haven't necessarily – it was like a I'll go, you go type of thing where tonight he was like, all right, Karis, you're hot. I want to see you get going. And like you mentioned, sure. it's important for the Nets to see Karis Avert play well not only for this season or next season or in a trade package, whatever it may be. Yep, yep. So Spence, you know, we, we're we lucky to have him. We'll see what happens with him in the trade deadline. I know a lot of fans are bringing it up. Maybe we'll talk sure. about that later. Garrett Temple didn't necessarily pop in terms of the, the box score. Thought he had a couple good possessions on Devin Booker, but I just love him so much more in the bench role. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I don't know, I, I'm kind of indifferent on Garrett Temple personally. Uh, I mean, he's, yeah, I, I think he's fine for like 15 to. He played 22 minutes today, today, um, and I, I would say anywhere from like 15 to uh, 18 minutes is is fine. Yeah. Um, I think that they there was a possession. It was actually one of these possessions that Dinwiddie um, bailed out. I was dying. They had TLC bring up the ball, and then he handed it off to, to Temple, who dribbled a couple of times, and then handed it off to Dinwiddie. And I was like, yeah, this is <laughs> like, this is where I don't really want to see those guys is initiating the offense. But, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I thought he will give him good minutes. He's somebody that if he's hitting his threes, um, he's effective on offense, and he knows what he's doing on defense. I wouldn't say he's, like, outstanding, but – um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a, a solid Garrett Temple performance. Um, you know, it, it, a one for five night from three is obviously not great. He had a one move where I, he must have crossed over about seven times in a row. And I was like, <laughs> all right, let's <laughs> let's slow down a little bit here, partner. You're but, not going anywhere either. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I don't think you're taking this guy at the dribble. We know where you're going with this. So, but you know, I mean, he he kind of is what he is. I I've learned not to get too high, too low on Garrett Temple this year. Yeah, I think just like you mentioned, that 15-18 minute, like in a smaller role playing with other good players, he sticks out a lot more in terms of being that role guy. But when you ask him to, you know, run the offense or kind of score on his own, it can be questionable at times. And I think, you know, getting away from the players for just a second, the times that I was a little concerned with the Nets is where Kenny was putting out a lineup where it was either just Spencer or Karras, and they were with TLC, Temple, Wilson Chandler, and DeAndre Jordan. And it just feels like it's a lot of pressure to put on Spencer doing or Karras Avert sure. to carry the offensive load without at least having a Joe Harris or Torian Prince to space the floor. I mean, the thing about that is, like, you're not going to have that, like, fairly soon, at least by October of next year. So you, you're going to be, you know, staggering those guys with a, a ideally a Levert, or, excuse me, a Durant or a, a Kyrie Irving. So, you know, all these lineups, like, yeah, like, again, like a Garrett Temple getting 22 minutes, like, like, I can harp on that and be like, well, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. But, I mean, again, you're missing, like, 60 what 66 67 million dollars worth of talent um you know if you're getting much of really anything out of some of these guys in between 20 to 25 minutes you really can't be too mad at that yeah no that's a great point i just think i'd like to see kenny stagger joe and torian just to sure. give you know Karis and spencer a little bit more space with that second unit sure but i mean i think you run into that but at the same time it's like i i also am not super against that because again you might be putting those guys in situations where they have to create their own offense and i think that was a lot of the reasons why you saw joe harris and torian prince slumping is because you're putting these guys in situations where the shot clock is expiring and joe harris is trying to go downhill and he gets his shot sent into like the fifth row <laughs> or yeah. torian prince is doing the uh the the I I call it the fadeaway um, off the backboard shot 
that he's leaning away from like 12 feet out. Like it's like, I, you know, I, I get why, but I also am like, if you're going to play these guys together and they're playing well with their best guys, then maybe it's not the worst thing. And you just try to figure out those minutes and keep your head above water, I guess the best, the, the, the best possible i would say yeah it's like you want to keep the good lineup and then if you have a bad lineup it sure. is what it is you don't want to kill your good lineup right just eat those minutes essentially and just pray <laughs> yeah you're just praying that karis or spencer can carry you and you know yeah. over the, the other stretch it was trying to ask theo pinson or musa to carry you and obviously you know lavert gives you and don't give you a lot better chance than that but matt anybody else on the team you want to talk about you want to talk about deandre wilson chandler anything else on those guys um, not really. I, I would love to see some Kuroks minutes. I will say yeah. that. Uh, he instantly I, came in and popped. Like, you instantly felt Rodion's, even though it was garbage time. No, I, I absolutely saw it. Like, he made a three, and he he did, like, we talked about the Taurine Prince. You mentioned even, you said that um, Prince got the, the Kuroks steal, and Kuroks came in and did one of his steals from last year where um, he's kind of near the elbow, and the team is sort of just, like, you know, getting into, like, almost like college offense where they're, moving the ball on the perimeter and he just, you know, gets that six foot nine frame in there and is faster than he looks and pokes his hand in there and almost yep. gets a steal. So I, uh, I'd like to see some minutes from him. Um, I think in a lot of ways he could be kind of the X factor for what they need. He's another kind of like, uh, I guess like supportive piece. He's not really mm -hmm. somebody that you'd want to put in a situation where, you know, even less than like a Joe Harris or a Torian Prince, um, where you just really wouldn't want him creating his own offense. But I, I'd really hope that they give him another look. It really felt like they were doing that. And, um, yeah, I, I, that's pretty much all I, I have on, you know, the, the remaining guys uh, is I'd like to see a little more roadie. But yeah, no, Jack and I have advocated for that, too. It's like every time he comes in, he just provides some type of energy. And I think it's not like, oh, you have to play roadie on 20-plus minutes. You know, bring him in if he's having a good stretch, leave him in. I want to say maybe it was against Washington. I felt like Torian Prince had a really bad game. Wilson Chandler wasn't really doing anything. I was like, all right, you know, throw Rodion's out there. See if he can give you a little bit of a spark because these guys aren't doing it tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, and like I I think that, I mean, I, T Prince is a total X factor uh, <laughs> a lot of the time. Uh, it, Wilson Chandler, you kind of know what you're getting. So, yeah. you know, if it is one of those games where it's like, boy, I don't know if Prince is really playable because he's one of the guys like I mentioned this about Levert I think Prince is one of the most um like notorious his offense feeds into his defense guys yeah I I, I would like to see some Kuroks minutes uh and, and the nice part about him is that you can play him at small forward so like if you wanted to size up and you wanted to play like a you know like a, a DJ um Wilson Chandler Kuroks you know maybe Levert uh let's say Kyrie's back, Dinwiddie lineup, like that's a really large lineup that you don't usually see from, from Kenny. I, yeah. I think that would be interesting. I like, I'm a big fan, especially when they were starting him at small forward. I know there were, the returns were kind of mixed. Like I feel like some games he really showed up, but I just like it as a different look, you know, like I, the small ball thing is fun and it's what a lot of the Nets brand is built off of. Um, it leads well into three-pointers and obviously the type of shots that they're looking for, whether that be downhill or from behind the arc. But it's kind of fun. Like, I'm I'm down to get crazy. This is the year to do it. Like, why you know, why not go outside of what has worked in previous years and, and see who pots next to who? I mean, this is basically an experimental year. I agree. And I think, like, Kenny needs to realize this roster is a little bit different than the ones he's had over the last couple of years. There's a lot more playable players and there's options to go big where last season there was really no big option. You were never going to play Jared Allen and Ed Davis. Like 
right. even heard the idea of maybe playing Claxton next to DJ for a little bit or whatever it might be. Like just having the option to go long when you play a Philadelphia or even like an Indiana when they have all this size down low. Right. Yeah, I, and I think the problem was that they gave the Claxton thing. They probably did that a little too early into the season. And, uh, you know, they did that like 10 games into his career. And the uh, return and it was against for, good teams, too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like they really put it in the worst situation. And I think Kenny, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put words in the guy's mouth but or, or thoughts into the guy's head. But, you know, I felt like they did that and <laughs> it didn't work out exceptionally uh, to the point where he was kind of out of their rotation because of it. And Kenny was just like, yeah, we're not going to do this. We're pulling the plug up. <laughs> like, we're yeah. going small ball. <laughs> He's like, I gave you guys a chance and it didn't work. So now we can go <laughs> yeah. back to what I want. <laughs> it's like, all right, Moose, you're playing the four tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally probably it too. Like, it's so crazy. Uh, Matt, any thoughts you want to get out there on the trade deadline? Anything that you think is going to happen? Any spicy takes? Um, I need to, this is good, uh, I guess, warm up for me to think about the trade deadline. I, I want to look at and see, I'm going to go through all 30 rosters and see if there's anybody that really sticks out. Uh, I don't, I, I, it's kind of been a really strange deadline. I feel like in the last 24 hours, there have been so many names listed to mm-hmm. the point that two weeks ago, there was like nobody <laughs> yeah. named. It seemed like it was going to be a quiet de- uh, deadline. I would just say like in terms of who the Nets have been over the last couple of years, um, they have been relatively quiet at the trade deadline. That's not really, you know, the, uh, Mark's, there are so many things about him that uh, screams San Antonio Spurs um, upbringings, but I think his pattern at the trade deadline is the most Spursian of all, where he's not really going to do too much. It'll be like a fringe rotational guy, but you never know. There's a couple guys even on the Suns team that I'm like, you know, McCall Bridges. I don't. I I saw him listed somewhere today as available. I'm like, wouldn't be the worst piece for the Nets. Like, you know, yeah, kind of an interesting, really long arm guy that I personally could see myself buying into. Of course, his jump shot is flawed beyond belief, but. That's that's somebody I would I would look into a little bit, but I I, I don't have anybody yet, and I I don't think that'll be like a key guy that gets moved. Again, they just I've said it since probably about uh like September that there's no point in moving anybody yet because you just don't know who's gonna pop next to Durant, and you yep. don't know how these rotations are gonna look. Um, you know, we didn't even know who was starting at center coming into the year. like We didn't know if it was going to be a Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan starting. How are we going to know what the starting lineup looks um, by, you know, February of 2021? I mean, it's just, there's no point in, and I'd say diving too deep into it. And honestly, like other than Dinwiddie, I don't think anybody really is at peak trade value right now. Um, Prince is starting to get going, but if you look at his raw numbers, they don't look good percentage-wise. Joe Harris— and this extension it, kind of prevents him from being traded. Right, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, you literally can't trade him or, or Levert. But let's say in, like, a perfect world, you could trade these guys. Uh, I, You know, you're trading Levert at basement value. Uh, Joe Harris is a free agent next summer. I guess he could be somebody you'd look to deal. But I don't know. I just—I'm in the camp of, like, take it easy. Just see who you can get going. And, again, just— build on it, assuming that Kyrie Irving gets back into the lineup, see who he plays well with. I don't know. Yeah, I I'm, agree. I've been pretty much the same way all season long. I think 
why trade a core piece when you don't know how they're going to fit with KD much as you know this team as is is a championship team I'm not saying I agree with that but yeah. until we see them on the court you know they could really pop guys could fit so perfectly like we don't know what even KD's going to look like how good sure. he's going to be sure. and like you said it would probably be a smaller move you never really know what Sean marks but if I expected anything it would probably be just like bench depth or maybe a slight bench upgrade but nothing that's going to make anybody kind of get happy <laughs> right on yeah of course and like I mean you know we can sit here and nitpick their roster and be like, well, you know, they, and I've said it, I've said they probably need a three, four. I still am kind of in the camp that it would be really nice if they had uh, a Brooklyn version of like a Royce O'Neal or somebody like that. Uh, But at the end of the day, like you're going to add somebody that could be a, you know, that I would expect to be like a top 10 player in the league. And you're adding that to a Kyrie Irving and everybody else. And assumptively, some of these guys really, really play well. Ideally all of them do, but you at least get some of them playing well. And, you know, for the most part, they, systematically speaking, what Kenny runs on defense really works. Um, They've been a top, you know, effectively a top 12, top 10 defense basically since January of last year. Um, And I think that's because of the, the, their analytical system really does work. It's not always fun to watch guys uh, bomb mid-range shots against them and sometimes see those going in, but it does work. I mean, the numbers suggest that it works, so. I, yeah, I, I, agree. I would I would remain stagnant um, and I would just let the talent come in and flow in. And, you know, if, if it is too many chefs in the kitchen, like I've wondered in, t- in times past, um, that's when you'd make a move, you know? Yeah. And I just always keep thinking about like, yeah, there's so many guys driving, but they're kicking out the players who are missing. Just imagine that guy's Kevin Durant. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Or Kyrie. I mean, yeah. they, that, like, you know, it really felt like before you know, really before Kyrie got hurt, it it felt like, I mean, just watching some of their half-court sets, they were kind of running Dinwiddie and, and Kyrie off each other. So they would run, yep. um, you know, uh, like Dinwiddie around these, like, double screens along the perimeter that would traditionally be run for Joe Harris, and those were looking good. Uh, you'd run Kyrie kind of around, like, a screen right near the basket. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I really felt like they... They were figuring things out. They just need everybody there. You know? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Gonna, it's going to be the 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 trademark of this year is just getting everybody on the floor. <laughs> yeah, they have a healthy roster that can finally find some chemistry and get in sync. Like if Karis LeVert can play well, Spencer Dinwiddie can play well, and Kyrie Irving can play well at the same time, you know that's going to be huge for the team. But Matt, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, no, I just wanted to thank you for having me on. Um, and uh, you know, a, definitely a resurgent performance from the Nets overall. Um, you know, I, I, up there, it's been a couple of really, really great feel good wins. And, uh, this was a good one. It was nice to see some different characters really come up for them. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah. It was nice to see Karis LeVert return. Matt, pleasure having you on. Definitely look to get you on again in the future. Big thanks everybody for listening. Like I mentioned earlier, you can find us on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, OTG basketball.com, netsrepublic.com and blue wire pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.